0: again and welcome back to the English pod, a podcast designed for senior cycle English students. In today's pod, I'm joined once again by my colleagues, Jenny Coughlin and Mark Malloy. And today we plan to take you on a rapid expedition to the English Leaving Cert Paper One exam, offering advice, guidance and direction to help you navigate your way through the paper and to optimise your potential in June. Now, if you're ready. For the final time this season, grab yourself a pen, we're about to get started. So question A or question B? To be or not to be, Jenny?
1: What's your take on this? I think question B is somewhat of an unknown entity. It's a bit like the single text in that, in paper two, in that anything could come up. The range of questions is very, very broad. Whereas the question A, you know what you're doing. You know the type of questions that can come up. You know that if you read the blurb, you can identify what the genre is.
2: I agree that text A can also be much more accessible in terms of the structure that you can identify before you go in. So normally text A part 1 is a 15 marker and you'll be asked to identify three solid points in the text and try and structure an answer that will readily ask you to extract information from the text and structure your answer in three developed paragraphs which normally award 15 marks. You then might move into part 2 which sometimes can be the one that's a little more slippy. It might ask you for a personal observation, in recent years you've been asked to refer to paper two but again I think of structure within the 15 marks so for example if you're asked on a personal observation you could write on your first point your observation on the text and what it says about life or celebrities or climate change in the second paragraph you can see or respond to the observation on how the text relates to the modern world and finally in that answer you could relate the text to yourself and your own personal opinions. And that will give you a healthy personal observation for the middle part, part two. And finally, part three is a language genre question. So if you have identified all of the five language areas, you should be set here to identify four features of content and style and develop that across four well-developed paragraphs.
1: And just to jump in there, Mark, as well, with question one of question A, it's usually, especially if the piece is a narrative piece, an extract from a short story or a novel, often they'll ask you to outline your impression of the character. And what I like to do is to kind of guide the examiner into what I'm going to write. So I give a little short introductory line where I outline the three adjectives I would use to describe the character. And then I have three paragraphs, each one built around one of those adjectives or a synonym of it. So, for example, if I say my impression of Lisa is that she is fierce, jaded and somewhat hopeful. My first paragraph will be built around fierce. My second one will be bu- built around jaded and my third one will be built around somewhat hopeful. And then I come back to that in a little outro sentence at the end. Similarly, if it's a speech or an article, they'll ask you to outline often the argument that is made throughout. And all that is, is, is I suppose, kind of trying to zone in on the main points. So always look at initially. The speaker looks at, or initially the speaker observes, or initially the journalist outlines. Then you go through the main bulk of the argument. So as the text progresses, they bring in this point, they also allude to this, and then on a final note. So again, you have three main paragraphs initially, as the text progresses, and your final paragraph then, their final thoughts on the issue.
0: In terms of strategy, then, in order to extract the information that you need, my advice would be to completely and utterly absorb yourself in the text. For the 50 minutes or hour that you're going to spend on this reading comprehension, make sure that the first time that you read the reading comprehension is the only time you have to read it. And in order to do that, you've got to completely immerse yourself in this text. So total immersion is what I advise. So this means that after you have underlined your key phrases and your keywords in the questions and you know what it is you're searching for, go deep into the world of the text. Have a pen, have a highlighter ready, and read each line, searching for meaning, techniques, insight. You're literally on the hunt here for the answers that you seek. At the end of each paragraph, stop, reflect. Highlight, make a note of things, point things out to yourself, and make sure that you write them down in relation to the question. So, question one and question three, in particular, I'm speaking about here. When you see points that are relevant to those questions, make sure that you write them down. And at the end of this process, if you completely immerse yourself in it, and if you strategize it in this way, you will be pretty much guaranteed that you will have an abundance of points from which to draw your answers. And by the time you've read the entire text through to the end, your knowledge, your perception and your appreciation will be majestic.
1: And it goes without saying that when you approach the questionnaire that you always read the blurb, even when trying to choose which text you're going to go from, read each blurb. It'll tell you very, very quickly. If it's a short story, you're looking for the language of narration and aesthetic language. If it's a speech, you're looking for the language of persuasion and argument and information. And if it's an article, you might be looking for personal writing, aesthetic writing, and also and then obviously information, persuasion and argument. So a mix of all three. So you look at your blurb, that's going to help you decide which one you want to go for. Then when you have decided, you read the blurb again for any relevant information. You read your questions. One, two, and three, you highlight the keywords. And then as you're reading your text, as Miss Boogie said, you are. totally immersed in it I want to see at the end of that that your comprehension looks like a war zone there should be pen marks everywhere there should be point one written beside all the various different parts that you're going to use for the first question point two written beside the others and point three so that you can easily then when you go to answer the questions go back and go okay I have this point from the start I have this point from the middle I have this point from the end and it gives a very well rounded and comprehensive answer
2: In text A particularly focusing on part two there has been a tendency in recent years to draw from students' knowledge or study on paper two. And to remind students again that paper one is on the Wednesday, so you may not be thinking readily of paper two, but if question A, part two, requires, you need to be prepared your knowledge from paper two a day previous. And to that end, I advise students to pull from paper two texts, that means your comparative texts, your Shakespeare and your poetry, to pull at least 10 really stand out Quotations, And I'm talking about seismic moments in texts, moments of awakening, redemption, three really dramatic turning points in your Shakespearean text. And if you summarize those 10, it should allow you to segue into that part two, where they ask you to reflect on a moment or a perception or something emotional or an aspect or an episode from paper two. So just to remind that on the Wednesday, paper one is what you're thinking, but you need to be forward thinking and have some quotes ready. Dramatic turning points for preparation on that text part 2. And finally, my piece of advice for part three is really where the meat is to be found. And here you're looking for elements of content and style or features or total immersion within each of the five language genres. And one of the tendencies, too, in previous years has been to ask students to what extent they agree. And it reminds me of what I read in the chief examiner's report a few years back, where he alludes to students needing to resist the temptation to be drawn into a text in other words, all texts are not marvellous, nor are they marvellously written. So when you're asked your true opinion, if you dislike the text or the use of the techniques, then you need to write with that and forward your opinion on that judgment. So avoid the temptation or the persuasion to be drawn into the allure of a text, because rarely, if always, are they written perfectly, no more than we, what we might write ourselves. And finally, Sometimes there might be points that you like, there might be points that you dislike, and therefore you can agree in part and structure that across four points for 20 marks.
0: Okay, let's move into question B. So guys, Jenny, what advice have you got for Leaving Cert students in relation to question B? So
1: question B is also a test of your knowledge of genre. And what examiners really want to see is, do you know the techniques that make up those genres of language. So in the same way for your 20 marker in question A, you really, really need to know the techniques and the style features that go with each language genre. You really need to know these for question B and also for your composing as well. So one thing I always ask my students to do before they engage in a question B, sometimes even a question A and or composing, it's something that you do and it takes a bit of time at the start. But by the time you come to the exam, it, you just kind of do it mentally, and it's called grasp. So I write down G R A S P at the top of my piece, whether that's question B, question B, or in my composing. And say, for example, I'm asked to write a talk that I would give to first years about the pitfalls and the wonders of secondary school. Okay my grasp. So I look at G. Well, it's a speech, it's a talk, so therefore I'm using the language of persuasion, the language of argument, and I can even bring in some aesthetic language there as well. That's my genre. Okay. My R then is for register. So what's the f- level of formality of this piece? So zero might be I'm texting a friend, 10 might be I'm conversing with Michael D. Higgins. So my, my register for my public speaking to a first year group is somewhere around a six. I want it to be formal because I want to be impressive, but at the same time I want it to be accessible for first year students. A is my audience, who am I speaking to? This is going to influence not only my register, but also my content and my style of language. So think about it, is it a universal audience? Is it a younger audience? Is it an older audience? Is it your peers? Is it a national audience? Who is going to be reading this? and? that defines then how you're speaking to them. Then is style. So, what are the particular stylistic features that go along with the genre? So, for example, what are the techniques I need to use with the the language of persuasion if I'm giving a speech? So, I look at my striking opening, I look at my use of contrast, rhetorical questions, anecdotes, quotes, personal pronouns, hyperbole, etc., etc. And then finally, you have P. And this makes you really, really focus in on what is the question asking me to do. Remember, your marking scheme is PCLM purpose, purpose, purpose. So, what is the purpose of this task? What must I fulfill in order for me to get my 50 marks? And if you look at every single question B, it is broken into three parts that ask you exactly what to do. So if you structure your question B around that, you are fulfilling your purpose and you're ticking those boxes.
0: Moving into the composition area now, and this is usually worth 25% of the overall total, but this year it's worth a colossal 36% of your overall grade for Leaving Cert English. How do students maximise their potential here, Mark?
2: So my advice for the composition is to begin with thinking about the word itself and what that means. And composition itself is an artistry in which you're able to compose something and know what needs to go in, needs to go out, and what it should achieve for your audience. So I begin with that word first and foremost. And over the course of fifth and sixth year, students should have written in a variety of genres, personal essay, speech, descriptive essay, and they should have found their level within that genre category, which two categories or which two genres of essay, for example, speech and personal essay do you find easiest or more engaging to write so my first piece of advice is at this late stage is you've identified from the seven possible titles the two genres that you enjoy writing in most or have been most successful in writing to date and then you brainstorm the techniques that you should use in either of those essays so if it's personal essay you're looking for conversational warming nostalgic tone anecdotes use of self-deprecating humor and you're using some inspirational content song lyrics quotes uh, lines from grandparents parents etc or if I want to write a speech I need my ready reckoner list so personal pronouns five or six really life-affirming quotations in my use of repetition rhetorical questions emotive language and so I'm going into the exam knowing that I'm attempt either the speech or the personal essay but I have also prepared the techniques that I need to use when I am writing within those genres and again chief examiners and correctors in previous years will reward richly a student's knowledge of that genre so you need to identify those techniques and manipulate them into your writing to show that you are confident within that genre for the chief examiner has also warned that students who move freely between genres and are not clear on what they need to achieve will not score highly in the composition.
0: And I suppose I would come in here and talk about the importance of planning for any essay, be it for paper one or paper two. And what I would recommend is that you plan around the marking scheme, the PCLM marking scheme, because P, purpose, ultimately decides your grade. And if you get it right, everything else will fall into place. So I recommend planning your essay around PCLM. So. Any question requires deep thought and contemplation. And one of the hallmarks of a great essay is a great plan. So sit with the question. This is making sure that you take care of the purpose. You've got to answer the question that you're being asked. Map out the question. Put all your thoughts down in a thought scramble. Then you section off your thoughts as they pertain to each part of the question. And again, this is for paper one and paper two. So this is dealing with the coherency part of the question. After that, you pick out your best points, the ones that you have evidence and quotations for. And then finally, you paragraph your answer out. So you set it out in paragraphs so that you can see your essay before you write it. And this ensures coherency. And I wouldn't dream of writing an essay unless I sat and planned it out like this because I need to see it before I can create it. And you certainly need to see it before you can get that H1 or H2. So always plan your essay with PCLM purpose coherence, language and mechanics in mind.
1: And just moving on from that, if you do, as I said earlier, Write out your grasp before you sit down to write your composing. You'll do exactly what Lisa has just said there. You'll have the marking scheme in hand as you're writing it. If you think of what genre am I writing? What's my register? What's my audience? What's my style? And what's my purpose at the end of the day? As Lisa said, PCLM is what's going to guide you there. Um, A a tip I would give you for the night before the exam or even the weekend if you're struggling with what to do for your paper one is to write down at least 10 techniques that you would associate with every single language genre so that when it comes to your question A but more importantly when it comes to your composing which as we said is 36% now that if you are writing a short story that you have a list of 10 to 15 techniques that you tick off as you go through that piece so you know that you need to have figure language, simile, metaphor, personification, hyperbole. You know you need to have sensuous language. Are you appealing to the senses? Are you getting in that tactile, aural, visual, olfactory, even imagery? Okay. If you're doing a speech, do you have your persuasive techniques? So have your checklist there. That is as important as your plot. It's as important as your motion. It's the grounding for everything. And the last thing I would say is that if you are thinking of doing a speech, but even if you're a personal essay type of person or you're leaning towards the article, not that you have to be watching the news 24 seven before you go into your exam but just for the two weeks beforehand that you're au fait with what's going on so you can pull and drag little bits of relevant information to back up your points and this is particularly for those people who want to do the speech it has to be factual it has to be informative yes you can use statistics um, that you might have come up with on the spot yourself as long as they sound credible but you must have that current affairs base that's correct as well
0: And just in relation to the personal essay, which so many students will choose this year, remember that the personal essay is supposed to give an examiner a slice of your life. You're inviting the reader into your interior world. Reading such an essay, the examiner should get the feeling that they're learning about your deeper thoughts and your deeper reflections. And so a confessional, introspective outlook is so important. When I'm reading personal essays, I always know I'm in safe hands if the introduction is good. And by good, I mean if it invites me to further read on. And the opening line is so crucial because it sets the tone for the entire piece and it also. sets the tone for the student who's writing it. When you've written a really good line, you can kind of get on board with it. So read really good lines from literature. Some of the ones that I particularly enjoy myself are Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. It was a pleasure to burn or the go between. The past is a foreign country. They do things differently there or the restaurant at the end of the universe. It begins the story so far in the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. I always think that if you read a few good opening lines, it inspires you to further glory. Remember the opening line casts an immediate spell for you and for the examiner. So work hard on it, craft it. And this year you have that extra bit of time to add your artistry to it. So my strong recommendation is that you use that time wisely. And that's a wrap for this season of The English Pod. We'll be back in the new academic term, but for now, we hope this has provided you both with food for thought and with evidence-based content that you can arm yourself with in the coming days before your exams in June. Though your second-level journey with English is nearing its completion, we truly hope that your journey of self-discovery is only just beginning. Now, here on the English pod, we love a good quote. And instead of putting forward quotes on or about topics of leaving Sir Concern, Today we proffer some of our most treasured quotes to live by.
1: And on the last note, I'd like to leave you with the words of Bob Dylan. This is a song that has that I grew up with and that you'll all recognise and have heard it at some part of your lives. I think it's a motto for your youth, it's a motto for your adulthood as well, and it's a lovely one to use in any personal essay composing that you can always bring if if there are songs that mean something to you always bring them in may you grow up to be righteous may you grow up to be true may you always know the truth and see the light surrounding you may you always be courageous stand upright and be strong and may you stay forever young keep your optimism keep your hopes alive guys don't ever
2: lose that Seamus Heaney once said If at first I don't succeed, the inner command says move again. And beyond these final dying days of your study and your examinations, that's a quotation that will guide you well in the future. As you approach college exams or the beginning of a new career or the beginning or ending of a new relationship, a quote like that from literature will always remind you that we have that human capacity to start afresh. If at first I don't succeed, inner command says, "Move again
0: and finally howard thurman once said don't ask yourself what the world needs ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive thanks for joining us on this podcast journey we wish you luck we wish you joy and we wish you all the success that you so richly deserve